Welcome to my Soul Life Podcast. This is my playground and I'm your host, Susan Scollin. I believe that we can live a life we love every day. To do this, we have to go on a journey to uncover who we are on every layer. Join me each Monday for conversations about following our soul's calling and embodying what lights us up so we can become even more amazing people. And then later in the week, I'll be back with our Soul Life Conversations, where we open up and explore who we truly are to become authentically us. Be inspired. A quick reminder for you that all the information shared in this podcast is my experience and the experience of my guest. It's not medical or mental health advice, diagnosis or treatment, and I'd encourage you to seek professional advice where needed. Today I'm chatting with Dawn Renee. Truly energetic souls can be challenging to find and Dawn is certainly one of them. It's amazing to see what she's doing in the world and how she's impacting people. Dawn Renee is the founder of Travelling Caregivers, an energy doula and holistic caregiver who struggled for most of her life to understand the triggers and the misalignment that were causing her to experience migraines, allergies, endometriosis, autoimmune disorder, type 2 diabetes, Lyme, Epstein-Barr, mold exposure, gallstones and chronic fatigue and she found herself bedridden for 30 days. When she was able to recover and stand again, it became her soul's mission to share her passion and experiences in the hope to bring encouragement and healing to others. As a live-in holistic caregiver, Dawn has an intimate understanding of the daily energetic needs of being a caregiver. She is passionate about holding space and empowering caregivers to work with natural elements and holistic approaches to find their energy, overcome burnout, and create a map to optimal wellness. Dawn created a journal called I Care for herself as a way to map her truths and now offers this to her clients, groups, and workshop attendees. She's a speaker and advocate for caregivers and caregiving concerns. Dawn brings a creative and innovative approach to caregiving and is passionate about caring for the caregiver. Dawn is definitely passionate about caring and caregivers. She personally experienced being a caregiver for a woman for seven years, which is a massive investment into someone's life. But the gifts she received were so abundant and she shares her story with us today. She's an incredible soul and someone this world needs to hear from because we can do these things with more love, compassion, tears, empathy, and laughter. We can bring in all the emotions into that space. Enjoy this conversation and the energy it creates for you. And Dawn and I would love to know what resonated with you about it. So if it feels aligned to you, come and share with us what you took away from this episode on my website, susanscollin.com or Instagram, my.soul.life.podcast. And you can get all of Dawn's contact details via the show notes for this episode on my website too. See you inside. Welcome, Dawn. It's lovely to spend this time with you. So thank you for being open to having this conversation with me. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful. Wonderful to be in this space with you. Um, And I'd love to ask what's bringing you the most joy at the moment. Bringing me the most joy at the moment is how abundant the summer is so far. Um, The berries and... I just put up a post just actually five minutes ago of this garden that shows these cabbages that are bigger than the size of my head (laughs) and, uh, and these, these kales that look like bushes, (laughs) but they're, it's all organic. It was grown with organic compost. That's all beautiful. Right. 
Yeah. I know, and it's so, so beautiful. But just everywhere I turn, there's like abundance of, of things that I need and love. It's right there. <laughs> mm, that's really lovely. And is this your garden or is this someone else's? No, this was a friend of ours. Um, they have put together a very nice garden. Wow. Yeah, so usually I do forage. grow one. Yep. Yeah, I go and forage. <laughs> I usually have one, but we're traveling right now, so it's a little difficult. So I'm grateful for friends with gardens. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's beautiful, and it's a great way to connect with people as well, like, you know, catch up with friends and things. Mm, oh, lovely. yeah. Lovely. Offer to come over and cut their garden for them. <laughs> ah, that's a good strategy. We've got chickens. They love it. Yeah. We've got chickens. And so one of our neighbours is giving us food scraps for the chickens and then we'll trade up. We'll give them eggs. So it'd be beautiful. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Definitely creates community. It's lovely. Well, yes. can, can you take us on your story? Like you have a health challenge that was... Uh, struggle for you that you've worked through and then that's created this beautiful space that now you create for others which I'm keen to dive into as well so can you start by just sharing your story with us absolutely um it would have been 12 years ago we my husband and I got married in 2010 and literally uh three days later I fell to the floor and was not able to lift myself back up for 30 days. And so I ended up in a bed for 30 days and had to um, become somebody cared for. And that, that in itself is a challenge because I like to go, go, go. And so me being in a bed is, is not, not my best position. Um, but my husband, thankfully, he was there and he took care of me and, um, you know, from that position and being in those 30 days, 30 days on my back, not able to move, afraid that it was the, that this was it. I had been dealing with so many health issues for so many years and um, gone to doctors and no doctors could really give me a lot of great answers. One doctor wanted to remove this. Another doctor wanted to give me pills for that. And, and I'm not saying that there's not a purpose or place for some things like that. I just, uh, for myself, found that it wasn't my answer. And ultimately, when I ended up in that bed for 30 days, I was so sick. I was um, suffering from diabetes type 2, endometriosis, chronic fatigue, allergies, migraines. I had been bitten by a black widow the same day that I fell and um, uh, and I was dealing with stones, with gall, gallbladder stones. And, oh, and don't forget the Lyme. Yeah, we had the Lyme in there too with the autoimmune issues. So it was a storm. And, and basically what, what I realized is I needed to make a change. My soul was telling me something, and it was saying, if you want to live this life, you can't do what you're doing. You're going to have to change something. And so literally we changed everything. Um, for 30 days, my, I stayed in bed. I wasn't able to lift myself out of the bed. My husband had to take me to the doctor by carrying me. He had to carry me to the bathroom. There was, for 30 days, my, my poor husband, first month being married, had to do all of these things, testing out the for better or worse situation. And so as I laid in that bed, I realized I... I well, a couple of things. One was, I'm dependent on somebody right now. And two was, how am I going to get out of this bed? And is this it? Is this, it? is this the rest of my life? Is this where I'm going to be? 
And for the first few days, it was really hard. I wanted to be on the computer and research my little brain out and try to figure out what was wrong with me <laughs> and figure out how to fix myself. And then finally, um, a few days in, I realized I couldn't, I couldn't keep my eyes open. It was so hard. I was so tired. So I decided to surrender instead. And it was in that surrender that I discovered the most healing thing that could happen for myself because little by little, every single day by surrendering, I started to get a little bit stronger. I couldn't put my feet and pull myself up until the 30th day, but um, my husband kept up on my ritual. I had two shakes, two smoothies a day and three different teas a day. And that's all I had for 30 days. Um, and on the 30th day, I was able to lift myself up out of that bed and I attribute that, one, to the nutrition, two, to the mindset of letting go of the outcome and surrendering to the peace. My body and my soul was desperately wanting me to give it, but I kept taking that away from it. So from there, I just started this whole, like, I must, when I got well and was back up out of the bed, I said, I, I don't want anybody to, nobody should have to experience what I just went through not just for that 30 days, but for the entire, you know, 20 years before that, that I've been dealing with all these issues that nobody could ever really put their finger on. And, um, and nobody could tell me how I could fix it. So ultimately I ended up figuring out what my recipe was. And from there, figuring out how I could expand that recipe and offer it as an experience so that other people could figure out their recipes. And it, it kind of stemmed to this holistic journey of caregiving. And, um, you know, holistically, I was taking care of, of uh, people. They would come into our, our health shop. I worked at a health shop. And for two years, people would come in and sit with me for like an hour and a half. And we'd go through their things and their struggles. And I would apply all the things that I had to learn for myself. I, I was learning and I was passing that information on to them. And it, it all started there it, and it just kept going from there. And then it progressed into another segment of my life. <laughs> it just kept pushing out further and expanding. Yeah. The universe had a plan for you and you had to surrender to it. So, I mean, from that, that point of view, I went from caregiving for myself, learning what it was like to caregive for myself or be dependent on somebody caregiving for me into mentoring people for about five years and then into uh, a person who comes into my life who actually was introduced to me three years prior, uh, walking and talking. But three years later, I met her again and she was in a bed suffering with ALS, um, MND, which is what they know of, what you know of it, I think, in Australia and Europe, um, motor neuron disease or disorder. And I ended up becoming her caregiver for seven years. And uh, using all of the tools and intuitive practices that I had developed for myself and for others, now I was using with a person who had a whole slew of issues herself. And my soul just kept keeps walking me into this path of 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 this is what you must do next. You know, the, somebody comes and they say, "Hey, this is what I got going on," and you have the choice: do I say yes or? Do I walk away, you know? And I just kept saying yes. And so as my soul keeps pushing me, <laughs> I yeah. keep saying yes. And so I went from caregiving for myself to caregiving for or mentoring to caregiving for somebody seven, uh, 
seven days a week, 24-7, uh, for seven years, and to now uh, transitioning back into caring for caregivers. And now I've created a business where my whole mission is to advocate and bring awareness and support and resources to caregivers and um, to help them with this journey because there's 54 million unpaid caregivers just in the United States. Mm -hmm. And every single day, somebody is becoming a caregiver. And my soul just kept saying, go, keep doing this. This is your, this is it. (laughs) So like, yeah, I can hear that in you around, you know, the universe is saying surrender and, or your soul is saying surrender and then everything will come to you. Like all that abundance will just show up for you as you said there's millions of people out there that are caring for loved ones or friends or you know people that have come into their lives but it's not easy is it it's probably one of the hardest jobs that I've ever done and I've I've worked in corporate America I I did sales and marketing and high past high fit you know high high energy go 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 you know people are always on you there's deadlines this didn't compare at all. <laughs> this was a whole other level. It'd be like being a parent if, you're, if you have a child and you know what it's like to have a child. And then imagine that your child is 125 pounds and cannot move. And um, you have to help them with everything 24-7. It, it takes on a whole new responsibility in your, in your thought process and priorities and how you, how you navigate your day. And especially if you're empathic or you see that somebody else is struggling and you have a hard time with that anyway. So it's, it makes it even more challenging because then balancing in that time for yourself and finding that for your own soul to make sure you're feeding yourself too and keeping yourself well, um, you can slip. It's so easy. I, I, I spend a lot of time, um, um, supporting Facebook groups with caregivers and going on there and just trying to encourage them because they're all saying the same thing. They just want it to be over. It's so hard. It's the hardest thing they've ever lived through. And, you know, it is the hardest thing that I ever lived through, but I know that I was chosen to do it for a reason. And I'm going to suspect that all the people that are doing it have been, you know, they're doing it for a reason too. And just don't lose sight. And in those moments when you're feeling that frustration, this is for me, myself, when I was feeling those frustrations, if I would just take five minutes and go breathe, go sit and just, you know, breathe through the situation and then come back to it a little clearly, you know, or if it was an emergent situation, because I dealt with a lot of emergent situations with ALS, you never know what's going to happen. And you're dealing with a catheter and you're dealing with a uh, vent and a, uh, you know, a trach and a coffices machine and all these technical things that I never thought I would ever have to, you know, explore or be involved in. But here I was doing all of these technical things and it can be very scary. It can be very scary as somebody just being thrown into it and never had training of that before and to be expected to be responsible for that person. So I'm finding myself this, these days trying to help people find the abundance within themselves, find, find their energy within themselves and uh, remember who they are, mm. which is what I've had to do for myself. <laughs> 
yes. over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. So is that a lesson that keeps coming up for you? Oh, it never goes away. It's just different variations of learning who you are and how you're going to handle it now, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, you could sit here and go, oh, is there a magic pill? Oh, is there a magic formula? Is there a magic system? No, there isn't. It's just how you're handling it and how you're going to, to work through it. And you're dealing with all the challenges of the finances and the, the, you know, making sure that you've got what you need for your person, making sure that you have people that can come help, maybe give you a break. There's so many things to be, to think about when it comes to caregiving. And, um, I, I understand. I did it full time, 24 seven, seven days a week for seven years and with somebody who couldn't move. And many, many times I felt that I couldn't even pull myself away from her because I was afraid of what was going to happen. I was afraid that, you know, something would happen while I was gone. It would be my responsibility. But again, what that taught me and showed me was it wasn't my responsibility. It was my responsibility to make sure she's taken care of, that somebody is there, you know. Uh, it was my responsibility also to take care of myself. Yeah. And... Um, and in the times that I gave up on myself, not necessarily gave up, just kept pushing through. I pushed through it all. I can give you a whole list of all the things I pushed through. Broken foot, hernia, uh, migraines, allergies, uh, colds. Um, thankfully, we never had to deal with COVID. But, you know, we, we, were, we were lucky and fortunate that way. And it was just how did you show up every single day? Every single day was a new beginning. Every single moment was a new now. Every single, you know, we looked at it that way. It was, hey, I know this looks the same as yesterday, but it's different because we're in a different, it's a different space now, you know? So it was, it was a great learning exchange between both. Um, I learned a lot from her. She learned a lot from me. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like we helped each other grow through the entire thing. It was, um, and other people will say, if you don't know much about ALS, ALS is, um, ALS is a motor neuron disorder that affects you from the neck down. So you basically lose all of your muscles. They start to atrophy. And um, she had bulbar onset, which meant that she lost her voice first. So she wasn't able to speak. She wasn't able to, to, communicate except through um in the beginning she could text me and then she used a bell to ring for me or a buzzer to ring for me and then we got her a computer that she could talk uh, like with her eyes and then that would talk to me and so um I had to learn how to read her body language I had to learn how to understand when she was upset and try to figure out how to bring her back to that comfort place that ease because even with ALS you know people say well that's it you know you're going to decline and that's it the doctors told us she might make it a week she might make it six months they didn't think she'd make it past six months and we went seven years Mm. so so really the story is yours to write and we looked at it that way every single day it's like okay today yes you have ALS but how are we going to handle it today and what are we dealing with today you know, it's not just that you have ALS, it's that you also have Lyme and Rocky Mountain spotted fever and Epstein-Barr and autoimmune. So you have all of these things. So what are the ways for me to reduce the load 
the stress, the triggers, the things that are causing her to be out of alignment with her body and her mind and her spirit and her soul. How do I bring that? It's, it's how do we get that back to where we can give her little pieces back? If we're light, if we're light, then how do we get that back to where we're giving our body all those pieces that helps us vibrate where we need to at our most vitality, at our most fullest capacity of energy. Every day, that's what we would do. We would look for different types of solutions that we could bring that to her. And um, ALS was hard. In the first two years, um, both of us cried a lot. Both her and I cried a lot. Um, She was the most intimidating person I had ever met. And she couldn't speak to me. But um, I knew all the stories, and I did remember speaking to her three years prior. And so um, I really wanted to please her. I wanted to make her comfortable. I, wa- I didn't want her to go through this, this anxiety that was coming on her because of, um, because of the situation. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would ask her. I would, even though she couldn't communicate with me, I would ask her and we would find ways. We had a chart too where I could go through A, B, C, D, E, F, G and figure out on the chart what letter she wanted. So I could kind of figure out what she, what direction the words were going in. And that's how we began our communication. Um, during that time, it was a learning curve of how do we take a situation that we've both been thrown into and turn it into success for both of us. How can we compromise? And I remember it was two years in and she was on a rant and she was saying all kinds of not nice things. Was, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, sunshine and rainbows every single day. There was, it was ALS. There's a lot to deal with. And, um, she was throwing, or she was really upset about something. And literally every time I'd walk away from her, she'd ring the bell like every second. And I, <laughs> I remember I had to go to the bathroom and I had to get her her water and her lunch and all these things, but she kept calling me back and I wanted to please her. And being the people pleaser that I was during this time, <laughs> I was right back on in there to go help her because I couldn't stand her being, I couldn't stand it. I just, I wouldn't want it to be me. So off I'd go. So finally I went back in there and this time I came in there, I got what she needed And then I said, okay, let's have a chat. I think it's time. (laughs) Like We have to come to a compromise because you're going to kill me caring for you. (laughs) Or I'm going to kill myself caring for you because I'm knocking myself out trying to make sure that everything is taken care of. And, And maybe that's a drastic thing to say, but she was a very, very boss woman. And so... I, I felt like, okay, if I'm going to go in there, I have to come in and stand on my own two feet like she's been trying to teach me for the last two years. Mm-hmm. And so um, she smiled at me. She stopped bossing me around and got a big smile on her face. Like, that was the one thing that was also beautiful is how quickly she could go from being sad to happy, how quickly she could go from being angry to happy. Like she could really easily let go of things. And that was another great lesson I learned from her. But um I said, look, would it be possible if I come up with a schedule and I hang it right here so you can see it and I can see it and we can all see it and then we can follow this schedule 
And that way you know what to expect. And we all kind of have like um, some boundaries here. So that way I can go to the restroom. I can go have lunch. I can take five minutes to go read a book or breathe or meditate or pray or whatever it is that's going to bring me joy. And uh, she got a big smile on her face and the answer was yes. And so, so we did, we, we made a schedule, we put it up on her bed and it was right there and it stayed there for a couple of months. But then what started happening was this, she started ringing five minutes before every single activity. <laughs> so <laughs> to let me know and prompt me <laughs> like an alarm system, <laughs> it's time, it's time for my next thing. Yeah. And, and, I loved it. I was like, this is great. You know, keep us on schedule. But then we made another compromise and moved it just a little further so that she could still see it, but that it was on the wall. So that way it was a little less in her face and a little more, you know, us working together as a team. And this became kind of our, our baseline for the next five years. And so for seven years, that's, that's what we did. We worked around a schedule to try to make it easier for ourselves, you know. Yeah, and create that teamwork approach to, to everything that you were doing rather than, you know, you being, well, I'm, I'm going to say slave, her master, you slave kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. actually came back together as a team and worked together to, you know, like like you said, produce or create these environments on a daily basis where you were addressing with her what was going on and, and raising her vibration, raising her energy levels, raising, you know, her mindset through that space rather than her perhaps wallowing or being in a struggle town, which would have happened on days, I imagine. There would be days where it was just not, you know, just not happening for her and that's life, but then trying to lift her out of that but managing each day as it came. It was, uh, it was a blessing that she wanted to play that game with me and it was, it was actually uh, very... Um, it taught me so much that even when somebody is struggling, you, you see somebody in a bed, they're struggling, and it's hard to look at them, first of all, because you see all the tubes, and your first thought is, oh, that poor person. But she, she didn't look at it like that. She looked at it as like, this is saving my life right now. This is, this is prolonging my ability to raise my vibration, change my energy, and see if I can get out of this mess. And if not, you know, whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual, or whatever it is, she did end up transitioning. And the transition um, was all of the things at once. And like you said, yeah, there was there were a lot of times that it was hard. But it, it always seemed like we could come back in the room that same day and change that mood around just by enhancing it with something that she liked. And so it, it forced us all to engage more with her and ask her questions and not leave her out of the equation and not make the decisions for her all the time and not try to, you know, try to make her feel like she had a little bit of control still in what was happening to her, for her, mm. you know, as we were walking this journey together. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, and valuing her as a as a human being, like giving her back her own rights. You know, she may not have been in a position because she couldn't get out of bed, but she could certainly still make decisions and building that communication with her in a way that worked for her then gave her back that sense of I'm still in the room, you know, like I'm still here and I'm still valuable and I still have something to give rather than, uh, you know, everything's happening to me sort of thing. So we were talking about Anne and her resilience. 
We were. She was, she was very resilient um, and you were able to create a really safe space for her to be resilient rather than, and rather than being dismissed. And she actually felt seen and heard and valued and that her, you know, what she, what she wanted for her life, she could still put that out there. Absolutely. And she was, she was doing it through all of us. And every time people would come over, we would tell the stories. Every time it was the repeat of all of the stories, you know. Um, I, I would do even little exercises. I was creating a movie and I was using one of her stories from back when she was 18 years old. And so I created this whole scenario movie. So every day I'd come in and give her another scene to her movie, you know. <laughs> And she just loved that because it was full of adventure and action and, you know, guys. And she was so cute. She she loved men. She was married. And thank God her husband had a great sense of humor because every time she would go to the hospital, even if she was, I'm calling the emergency, you know, ambulance to come get her. And, and she's choking or having struggles. But as soon as those paramedics show up, she is back to life and everything is fine, you know. So it was cute. She she had the biggest, bluest eyes and this big smile that would go along with it. And um, it, it was just incredible to be on a journey with, with such a powerful woman who was going through such a, a journey of struggle and pain and to still do it with grace and integrity and uh, with joy and hope. We There was not a day that we didn't hope that things would turn around. There was not a day that we didn't look for ways we could expand upon where we were at today. So, you know, if she was able to, uh, to walk, there was, there was a few months there that she was able to walk still and we were walking every single day, you know. So we just tried to keep expanding upon and bringing life to what she could bring life to. And uh, that seemed to help her a lot. Yeah, and how did that help you then as a caregiver if you could always have hope in your day, always expanding on what you could expand on? How did that support you? It's funny because it's given us all kind of a new perspective on life altogether because, and nothing against COVID or what everybody's, I mean, everybody's going through hard times. But for us, things were happening that were life-threatening every day. And so it was a situation of, are you walking? Are you talking? Are you taking care of yourself? Oh, you're good. Everything's going to be good. Just keep doing what you're doing. Everything's going to be okay. Just keep expanding where you're at. So what she taught me was, I don't have anything to complain about. Matter of fact, I have everything to be grateful for. And now my soul just wants to express that and help other people find that for themselves too. Because I've seen it be possible with her. I've seen it be possible with myself. Um, the people that come into our lives, the, the people that, that, um, that we touch when, when it comes to mentorship, it, it, it's just paying that forward that that hope is still there. And we can all go through the darkest of things. We, I, I've gone through the darkest of things I, myself. And when you come out the other side, you go, okay. I just went through some really, 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 really dark things and I'm still here and everything's okay and I still have something to work with. So let's start there. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
Yeah, really baselining it and just being grateful for where you are and just going, okay, we can move from here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There's nothing wrong. You talked about vulnerability earlier. How important is that in the caregiving role? Vulnerability. Um, one of the things that I, I help mentor people with is it's a psychological, it's something you use when you go to a counseling. It's, it's another, it's like a little saying when you say halt, halt, stop, H-A-L-T. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? And the reason I say that is because if you're any of one of those things, you're not going to be vulnerable. You're probably going to be a little uh, something that you've got to take care of. Um, and you might be very, then again, you might be extremely vulnerable and maybe a little too much vulnerable if you're sensitive type. So, so wh- whichever side that you're, the coin that you're on there, I always tell everybody to halt and ask yourself, check in with yourself um, and take care of your needs first. And then once you've taken care of your needs and you're showing up to take care of another person's needs, when you show up, you don't take their needs as your needs, but you can come from a place of vulnerability because you've walked through all of the dark stuff for yourself too. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, to me, it was a, um, when you walk in a room and you hold yourself vulnerable, that this person here, when I first met her, she was, like I said, very intimidating. She was a boss. She told people what to do. I'm very not that way. I'm more <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> and so, so for me, being vulnerable ended up being me crying a lot. <laughs> you know? So I would cry a lot because I was trying to figure out how to balance what she needed from me and how I could give it to her, right? Yeah. And at the same time, walking through all my darkness too. But what it taught me was that the more that I could open up to that vulnerability and the more that I could um, share with her stuff that was going on with me too from a place of strength, the more it gave her hope. And then also being vulnerable for the situation or being um, not vulnerable, but empathetic about her situation and understanding what she could be going through being in a bed 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. So you really created awareness around or encourage people to create awareness around their vulnerability, around their struggles, um, and share appropriately because in some some cases it wouldn't be appropriate to share, but finding that space to, one, find another outlet potentially or share it, you know, resolve it within yourself or allow, allow it to be there and still work with that person. But noting that when you can be open and come from a loving space, then that creates more energy and creates more of the positiveness that you want to put into that environment. Is that true? Absolutely. And uh, not only that, she would, she'd be more willing to, to share things, you know, to share everything, you know, there was her and I could talk about anything, you know, and, and that was not the way she wasn't like that with everybody, with the caregivers, she was because the caregivers were usually in there with her going through all the hard stuff with her. And so she was really open about sharing there. Um, you know, obviously friends come over and she's not gonna, you know, it's a little harder, you know, so, but the more you're vulnerable, the easier it is for that other person to definitely feel safe to talk about their journey. Yeah. 
And so then how did you manage that? Like you've talked about this through the interview around not taking on other people's needs and the person that you're caring for's needs, but how do you take on that vulnerability when they're giving that to you? How do you manage it effectively? Um, say the first part again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So, you know, a person is sharing with you vulnerably and they're sharing more deeply than they would with somebody else. How do you... Yeah like not take that on as your own? Like what sort of oh. tools do you use? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the first thing I, well, first thing is, one, acknowledging that that person's journey is their journey. and uh, It's not my journey. Uh, that was something, um, it was hard for me to leave and go on vacation. Every time I would want to go on vacation, I'd be worried that I'm leaving her for a week. Who's going to take care of her? <laughs> you know, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen while I'm gone? And and it was a stress and it was a struggle. But, but what I found is that I had to trust and have faith that what I was setting up for her was going to work. And I think that's kind of what applies here too, is that I had to, I had to trust and have faith that this was her journey, not my journey. So I didn't want to take on anything that was hers. You know, she could be crying. In the beginning, it was hard because I'd see her crying and I would cry. But then it I started to develop like this strength around it to where I felt I could walk in the room, be my whole self 100% and take care of every need she has. And she could be angry, sad, happy, all any emotion she, she could be throwing a fit and it would not phase me because I would be able to just say, okay, this is what she's going through right now. And I just need to stand here and be a lighthouse and hold space and shine the light. I'm right here. I'm going to hold your hand and shine the light. <laughs> go through it. Whatever you want to do, go through that. I'm just going to stay here. I'll be right here. Yep. I, I can't get into your rabbit hole with you, but I will stay right here mm-hmm. and hold your hand through it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't know if that answers it, but that's kind of how I would deal with it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then, like you said, you know, family members would sort of come in or friends would come in. They often come, do you find that they often come in with their own agenda? Not all the time, but some of them come in with their own challenges um, in that space. I would say there was definitely a lot of challenges um, in the space because um, family members want to help. They want to help. They don't know what to do. And she was extremely proud and had very high integrity and did not want her brothers and sisters to see her in uh, this way. She was the oldest of 10. And so, you know, they would come, uh, you know, they would come through and cycle through in waves throughout the year. We'd see, you know, a few of them here and there. And um, what, what we discovered was, I had to come up by giving them some kind of chore or responsibility. So that way it, it made her feel good that they were doing something to help. And they felt good because they were doing something to help. And then she didn't have to share or divulge any of this very personal experience that she was going through. She didn't, it, it's, it's sad because I, I think that sometimes family members maybe need to see what, their family is going through because it will help them understand the journey a little bit better. And so it's not that I, I, um, agreed with it. It was more like I wanted to respect her wishes and that was her wishes. And so I, I was, I was kind of stuck in that spot where I had to, you know, shield her from them. And, um, but what we would do is we would set it up to where they could come and sit and sit with her for hours 
and they would talk stories and watch a little show together, you know, or her nephew would come or, or nephews or uh, brothers, and then they would do handyman jobs around the house. So I would put them to work doing all kinds of handyman stuff that we needed done because we always had something that needed to be done. Yeah. <laughs> so there were ways to work around it and give her the respect and what she was looking for while, you know, receiving that help because as a caregiver doing all the work it's really great to get some help from somebody else because it gives you a break from those things so that way you can balance in some more time for yourself to go take a few minutes off and take care of yourself (laughs) yeah absolutely and so you're coordinating lots of different energies as they come you know you've got other caregivers you've got your patient you've got your own and then you've and potentially partners or husbands, and then you've got all the family and friends that are coming in. So that's a lot of um, just energy management in effect, isn't it? So much. And everybody had different energies. And I would say back to your question about uh, vulnerability with friends, with friends, it was even less. With Mm. friends, it was, you know, they usually would come in for maybe an hour. They would bring a gift, say hi. And there would always be the awkwardness a lot, a lot of times with them, there was a maybe, maybe five friends that, that would be more considered like family and they um, would come around and sit with her for a little bit longer, but, but they didn't stay very long. Not like the family, but yeah. the managing of the energies, it was all management of energy. Like, <laughs> like all I did was manage energy. I was managing. Uh, and not only that, you'd have to manage how she liked things to be. Mm. So it, so I had to manage how she liked things to be for her body and her spirit and her everything, you know, and give her all the things that she needed. So I had basically written a book about, I've got a book of protocols that we used for seven years and how they evolved over the different years as her challenges changed and how we had to expand our thinking and try new things. But it was all management. It was managing energy left and right. <laughs> And um, I guess that's why it's fun for me to be an energy doula because I like managing energy. <laughs> yeah. It's something you're natural at. I, I didn't really look at it like that before, but now that you're saying it like this, I'm like, wait a minute, I did do all that too. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so it's not just about managing the individual and what they need. It's, it's so much more holistic than that. Oh, yeah, because we were covering all grounds. When you deal with ALS and neurological disorders, you want to remove as many neurotoxins as you possibly can. So I had to identify those neurotoxins. What are those for her? And I had to remove them and then detox them from her. And we successfully did that. I mean, we did a lot of great things holistic for her, which and, and also encouraging her soul and her vitality and her will to be here Um that energy, pumping that energy every single day is what kept her here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what kept her motivated to be here every single day. It, it was a beautiful journey. It was definitely a beautiful journey. It was, um, I would do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And in your work with carers, caregivers, what are you finding at the moment? Like what are, you, what are they struggling with and what are they wanting help with? My biggest challenge in helping caregivers is helping them realize or give themselves permission to care for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are like, this is my only person, or I'm, I'm their only person. I'm, I'm the only one taking care of this person. 
And I, I, I hear that, but there's gotta be a way. I mean, there's gotta be somebody there's, even if it's you, you bring somebody in to do housework, you know? Um, so the biggest challenge is trying to help them realize that, that they're missing out on giving better care because they're not caring for themselves. And they're also putting their own health at risk. And I speak from experience on that, uh, dealing with my own chronic illnesses for years. And I can say right now, I'm finally in a place where I feel the best I've ever felt. I have more energy now than I had 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the, the body weight I want to be. I'm exactly where I want to be right now. And no, it's not perfect. I'm still going through and still identifying, oh, yeah, today I can't eat this. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, it's again, it's all about aligning the things that line up with you. So identifying what those things are and then removing all the triggers that might be hurting you. So if it's hurting you, remove it from your life whatever that is, if it's hurting you, whether it's uh, toxic uh, chemicals that, that are, is in our food or in our, our, our supplies or in the air or wherever it might be, understanding what's going on around us so that we can figure out how to reduce those things mm-hmm. and then figuring out what we need to bring into our light body to help us get that energy back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So coming, bringing, really bringing back your strategy of halt. So, you know, stopping, having a look and then going from there. Taking inventory, checking Mm -hmm. in with your body, you know, uh, every single day I I would say that I feel great, but sometimes I wake up and I'm like, what's wrong with my ear? What happened? Okay. Let's think about this, you know? And then I start taking inventory and like, okay, What can I do? And I start making a list of things that I can do holistically to help my ear. And and then I start, you know, thinking, okay, do I need to do some breath work? Do I need to increase my water? Is it nutrition? Did I eat something that I have an allergy to? Just start doing stock inventory and and quickly doing this list of that hurts, that helps, that hurts, that helps. Okay. And then getting it down to a list of, okay, these are the things that make me a light, happy, energetic body. So this is what I'm going to do to make that happen. (laughs) Yes. And then, you know, like if you can continue to, you know, help teach people that they they are important and that we can let go of some of those stories around having to be the only one to support this person, one, you know, the quality of the life of those people will increase. 100%. Absolutely. Because if you are buzzing when you walk in the room, and you're caring for the person and you're coming in, you're like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? What are we going to do today? Okay, let's see. And you get your, your list out or your schedule and you start looking it over and you make some changes. Okay, we're going to go outside today too. And you start throwing things in there, things that they like to do. And all of a sudden, their energy is going to shift. They're not going to be as hard on them on themselves going, oh my gosh, I'm in this position right now. How did I get here? get stuck into that mode where you're, you're dwelling on the pain and the suffering. We, we don't have to choose pain and suffering. We can choose joy if we want to. And I learned that with Anne so clearly for seven years, because if anybody could have complained or, or said anything about pain and suffering, it was her. And she didn't, Mm. she did not. She was so, she was just so graceful about all of it. And 
no, it's not perfect. I keep saying this. I want everybody to realize. I, I, I know I'm very optimistic and I'm very positive. But um, it was hard, too. It was all of it at the same time. So in one breath, I could be calling 911. And in another breath, she could be totally smiling at me at the same time. You know? Like, woohoo, I get to see the paramedics. I'm like, this is not funny, Anne. <laughs> And she's looking at it like it's just a little fun adventure that she's about to go on, even though they're probably going to poke and prod her and she doesn't care. It's just part of the adventure today. Yeah. You know, it it was all part of creating that story that we really wanted to write, which wasn't the sad story. We didn't want to tell the sad story. The sad story was, was breaking our hearts. So let's not tell the sad story. Let's, let's figure out what can we tell from this and what are we gaining? What, what are we getting out of this? What is our soul getting out of this? You know? And ultimately that's, that's where it got down to is she put me on a mission to push this information out of what I learned working with her on a much bigger scale. And traveling caregivers was created as a way to get that voice out there and to have caregivers voices be heard to help put protocols in place for chronically ill people to make it easier for a caregiver journey to make it easier on the caregivers but it starts with the caregiver choosing themselves first because ultimately there's only one person that you need to make happy for your entire life there's only one person yes Yes. (laughs) and and if you're not happy then Anything that you do is going to bring more unhappiness yeah. <laughs> if you're not happy. <laughs> and so, so it just, it, you know, it became a situation of, all right, how do we make this enjoyable? What do we need to do? Okay, she's having a pain today. We had a bed sore. We had a bed sore we had to deal with for a month. And it was not, you know, butterflies and rainbows. <laughs> it was painful. But we found a way to deal with it, to give, get the pain to subside so that she could deal with it and bring her comfort and ease while she was healing so that she could visualize it healed. Because what happens a lot of times or what I witnessed is that if you're not healing, you keep looking at her every day going, why am I not healing? Like, well, this got cut two days ago and it's not healed yet. Why isn't it healed yet? And you just keep asking, why isn't it healed? Why isn't it healed? Why isn't it healed? It's not healed because you keep asking, why isn't it healed? Instead, you should just see it healed. (laughs) And I know that sounds a little maybe woo-woo, but there is plenty of evidence out there of people who do visualization and, and work that have healed themselves and have navigated through to find their um, optimal wellness place, their most quality place of life, wherever that is with whatever they're dealing with. Mm. Because that was the other thing we learned with ALS is that even though we had detoxed all the heavy metals and we had gotten the, the, uh, the Lyme under control and even the ALS seemed to be slowing in progression. Um, she was still dealing with infections that, you know, when you're dealing with different ports and things of that nature, it's, it's an avenue for pathogens to get in. And so you're, you're constantly dealing with those, with that battle. And, um, it's about making the most out of what you still have to express. Yeah. <laughs> and who have you become over this journey? <laughs> um, me. <laughs> I've become me. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I really feel like I understand. I'm very clear now on how I'm supposed to help. I understand, understand myself. I understand me more than I've ever understood myself. Um, learning how to, that was another thing that had come up is self-soothing. It's not something we're taught as children really is to self-soothe ourselves. And through this process, because there was a lot of times I felt alone when I was working and um, I had to learn how to self-soothe, how to, you know, have fun playing again. You know, and so I found my inner child and I brought her back out and started painting. And my husband and I, we've always sung together and write and, and play music together. So it, it brought out more aspects of my creativity and my ability to just understand energy and how it works through me. Mm-hmm. And in an effort and hopes that I could hold space for others to figure out their, they can figure out their recipes it's not for me to figure out your recipe. It's for me just to hold space while you figure out your recipe. Yeah. And that's what I definitely learned about on my own healing journey is that regardless of what anybody could tell me, I'm still going to have my own experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. You, and you need to work through that. Like you can't just sit back and wait for somebody to tell you, try this, try that, try these. You've got to figure out what's actually going to work for you. Yeah, absolutely. You have to figure out what works for you. And there's a lot of ways to go about that. And I'm, I, I love helping people work through that process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. Before we get into the wrap up questions, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, let's see. I would say uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my seven, where is it? My seven steps to total care. Yeah. So I've already given that as a handout. And then I have another handout that is my 10 daily self-care practice um, rituals. And these are just things that I have found that bring me joy. Mm-hmm. And I encourage everybody to find or make a list. What brings you joy? Like the first thing I do in the morning is I, I wake up and I do my meditation. I do my energy work. I do my breath work. I do a little stretching. And then I drink my water. And then I go. But I, I find that if I don't do that before I get out of bed, then a lot of times when I hit the ground running, I'm running. And so <laughs> it's hard to slow me down. Yeah. So figure out for yourself what is your joys? What are, what are the things that bring you bliss? Make a list. And then actively commit to yourself to do those things and engage with yourself as if you are your best friend. Like instead of calling your best friend and saying, hey, let's go have coffee, call yourself and say, hey, let's go have coffee. And I'm not saying that because you shouldn't have friends. <laughs> I'm just saying that because, again, there's only one person that you have to make happy, and it's you for the rest of your life. And if you're not happy, then going and hanging out with a friend for coffee, it might not make you happy yeah. <laughs> if you're not already happy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you talked about during the interview or our chat around the energy that you bring into the room matters. So cultivate yes. that within yourself. And then that will amplify through any connection that you have with others. Right, because when you walk in the room and you have that high vibration, I can guarantee you somebody's going to come talk to you. They're going to say hi. They might smile at you. They might kind of get a little shy. Ooh, what am I feeling from you? That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for the handouts. That's awesome. I'll put them in the show notes. It would be wonderful that people can go and download them. And like you said, create their own version of it. 
whatever resonates with them. And I think, you know, for a lot of people that's challenging in itself because we generally aren't, like you said, we aren't taught to self-soothe. We aren't taught to stop and have a look and go, what do we actually enjoy doing in life? And then we have all these stories, or I did, around it has to be right and I have to make it work. And then it's like, well, actually, no, we can just experiment and see what happens and and play with it. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me, what's one thing that you do for self-love? I'm a massive advocate of self-love and that that's a cornerstone to our healing. So what's one thing that you do for self-love? Self-love would be my breath work. I do breath work every single day, and that is just to bring calm and peace over my body. I do what's called boxed breathing, um, but I do it with an exhale of six. So it's a four, it's a four in, four hold, six out, four hold. You can get it on YouTube. There's lots of box breathings. It's free for guided tours, Um, but it's great because it brings your your whole uh, parasympathetic down, and you know you're so you're not in flight or fright you're calm it's just a great way to really um, stabilize and regulate your blood sugar your hormones your mind your thoughts (laughs) all of that yeah and how long do you do that for for about 10 to 20 minutes Mm. depending on what you've got going on on the day yeah yeah that's beautiful breathwork is such a great practice and it's, it's such a meditative practice too well, and you can take your mind anywhere. So no matter where I am, so wherever we are traveling in the country, if I do that, I can take my mind wherever I want to go, you know. So it's just, it's a great way for me to visualize the happiest places that I love to go visit in my mind yeah. that maybe I'm not at right now, but I can still get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. And you've given us so much amazing information in the podcast today. So if myself and the listeners were to take one thing out and implement it in our own lives in service of you, what would that be? Oh, boy. Let's see. (laughs) Um, I don't know. That's a great question. I would say that um, one thing, there's one thing. Self-care, care for yourself first. Mm. Absolutely. Because when you care for yourself, you will care for others. And I know that maybe that's, that's hard for, to hear, but if you need help working through it, I'm happy to help. You can find me. I can help you with that too. Yeah. So can you lead us into what, what you're actually doing in the world and where people can find you? Absolutely. Um, I have travelingcaregivers.com and I do uh, one-on-ones. I also do group sessions. Actually, I'm starting my group uh, workshops in September where we're going to start a series of, of diving deep on how you might be able to just figure out some things for yourself and uh, using some tri- tricks and tips that I did for myself to figure out my own truths. I'm going to share them during the workshop. And um, you, can, you can book me for one-on-ones. As I already said that, yeah. You can do the one-on-ones in the group, yep. Yeah. And is that for caregivers or is this for anybody? I mean, I I market to caregivers, but I am open to anybody. And because basically we're all caregivers. Yeah. We all are. And, um, but it's just that if you are a caregiver and you specifically have somebody that you're caring for and you're dealing with a lot of stress, um, I have a lot of things that can maybe help you navigate through all of that. Yeah. And like you said, we are all caregivers. And so 
even if you're like a mum or a dad or a parent of some sort or a co-worker, there are always things that we can work through and we can always take these tools, these, you know, stress management tools that you've got and apply them into our own lives in a way that resonates with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, uh, shoot, there was something I was going to put to that. Ah, um, no, it's gone. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's okay. If it comes back to you, you can just message it to me. I'll put it in the, in the yeah. show notes. <laughs> it's funny how sometimes that happens. Just shoo. Yeah, it does. It does. And then, yeah, it'll come. I generally find it comes straight back to me at some point and we're about to wrap up. So. Oh, yeah. And you're like, aha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there it is. It's right there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. It's been phenomenal and I really have enjoyed it and I've enjoyed your energy and learning about the work that you're doing in the world. And when, like, you were pitched to me, which was really lovely, so through a third party, um, and when I saw the work that you were doing, I was like, we don't have enough conversations around this and the importance of that role of caregivers to patients or, you know, people who have got health challenges, um, they're, they're not as well supported as they could be. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and letting me share my story. Thank you for joining me today. And I have a couple of small favors to ask. If you love this episode, please share it with someone you love and you know the episode will resonate with. Also to help spread the word about my podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I love hearing your thoughts about my podcast and what's resonating with you. Plus it helps us share my podcast with the rest of the world, which is amazing. Finally, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you and I'm truly honored you've spent your time with me. Let's keep rising. Let's keep growing because it's totally possible to live a life you love every day right where you are. See you in the next episode.